Welcome to the Power Your Life radio show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Well, it's a beautiful day to be here on Power Your Life, and thanks everyone for joining us. And I have a guest that I adore. When we first spoke, there was some kind of special spark and energy between us, and also very special energy that this wonderful being emanates from just from who she is. And I'm talking about Janet Inglis who is an autistic savant, and she synthesizes art, science, and spirit that engages nature, beauty, and the cosmos. Her passionate and rigorous study of science, nature, and cosmology evolved from a very early age, as did Janet's classical training in art. She's a creator of many projects that synthesize art, science, and spirit. At the age of 13, Janet attended an adult six-month life figure drawing seminar. The next year, she completed an undergraduate-level seminar in geology at the American Museum of Natural History in New York City. Janet's enthusiasm for art, science, and spirit is channeled into the development of several multimedia installation projects which address the fertile intersection of science, art, and spirit. All three projects maintain a primary purpose of illuminating and expanding the magnitude of our humanity and our special place in the universe. Janet says that the primary remedy for her consciousness, meaning autism, has always been living pure sentient color and her medicine is color that breathes life, which is light. There is the pure science of perception and truth of discovery in color. What a wonderful statement. That's yours. Thank you, Janet, for being here and for doing all the wonderful stuff that you do. Thank you so much for having me on your wonderful show, Joanne. I'm so delighted to be here with you. Well, it's it's mutual. So let's get to, to not everybody who's listening understands what an autistic savant means. So so let's let's tell them about what it means. Well, Joanne, you know, I, it, this is just me. I'm just one uh, creative savant. I'm I'm just one high functioning autistic person. The the gamut is so great and so wonderfully diverse among us autistics that there's no way for me to say that I'm a creative savant. So all savantism should look like me. Um, I, I think the, the easiest thing to, to say the actual root of my savantism is comes from my very earliest memories. And those are 
of trying to understand both the visible world and the invisible world. Um, my high-functioning autism didn't guide me to be part of the world, just to understand it with my mind and my heart and my soul. So I think that's, that's the root of it all, is that I, is perception. Um, I see things in a different way, and, and then I create lots of ways for me to describe this vision to others, things that are beautiful and uplifting and enhancing of other people's sense of themselves. You know, I love that, that comment there, too, because what you're saying is that through your art, through the science, through what you're doing, you actually show people their own beauty in so many different ways. I, I, I really shortchange that a little bit, but, but you know what I mean. I'm fascinated by a story that you once told me on the phone, and that's about when you were very young your abil- your memory your ability to to see things cuz you didn't you did not necessarily have words you were a young baby and yet you told a story about being able to remember a, a particular room what it looked like even though you were i believe months old that to me is so amazingly fascinating can you share that story with with our listeners Janet Oh sure, I'd love to. Uh, so when when I was born, I was I was colicky, and so needless to say, I cried a lot. Well, my dear parents, who didn't really know any better at the time, uh, they uh, their solution was to put a honey nipple in my mouth and kind of tie a little towel uh, around my head to keep the nipple in, and then put me in the nice warm bathroom on the floor on this nice rug. And kind of leave me there until I'd fall asleep and then, of course, stop crying. Uh, Well, I remember very clearly that bathroom. I remembered everything about it. I remembered where the light, the window was on the wall in the corner. I remember the black and white square tiles. I remember the claw-tooth bathtub that I laid next to. I remember the underside of the sink. I remember everything about that room, the exact size of it, um, et cetera, et cetera. And the reason that I, I know that my memory is correct is because my mother was telling a funny story one day when I was maybe nine or so, and I, I had finally regained some speech, some fluidity with speech and communication. So we're all there. I have six brothers and sisters and my pop. We were all there having lunch on one Saturday. And my mother told this very funny story about her mother-in-law, my, my grandmother on my father's side, who visited them when they were newly wed. And there I am in the bathroom. She comes in, then my grandmother, and shrieks because here's this infant with a towel wrapped around her head lying on the floor. And then, of course, the story went on, funny, this funny. And then, of course, my mother was always intimidated by her and blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the, the, her, her account of this, this story, I turned to my mother because she had said something about the apartment that the, that the bathroom was in, and it was the wrong apartment. They had two apartments. It was the first. And so I said, that's not right. It was in the first, it was in the one that had the, had the 
black and white tile floor and had the you know little tiny glass those really thick glass squares that a lot of old apartments in New York have for windows. I started to describe it to me. She said, well, that's, she said, I, rem- I said, I remember everything about that room, mother. And she said, you couldn't possibly remember, dear. You were an infant. And I said, I remember everything. Do you want me to draw you a picture? She said, yes. <laughs> so I did. I drew a perfectly to scale with including a little blob being me, a little, you know, little sausage kind of shape <laughs> thing with a Blankie and a towel around me, you know, on the floor, the color of the rug, which was the ice blue color, um, and the color of the walls, et cetera, et cetera. Janet, what was their response? The whole thing out. Because and, and they stood there. Go ahead. No, that's it. I want to hear their response. No, that's it. I mean, they, they, just, they just stood there, and my mother's mouth, her mouth dropped. My father looked at me and sort of nodded like, well, good girl, you know, because I was always <laughs> doing that kind of thing. And he loved that. He also, uh, being on the autism scale, uh, my daddy. So, so, that's, so that's, I do, that is how my memory works, and that has something to do with my understanding of time. Um, I live as a high-functioning autistic and a creative salon. I live in all time. I'm kind of like a primordial entity. Um, that's where what is, my what is creativity mean, comes I, from. What does it mean that you live in all, at all time? I understand that. I understand that, yes. but I'm not sure that our listeners do. So sure, can of course. Set down a of little course, bit yeah. to grasp it. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I. I I don't uh, see time as having much to do with my personal memory or my personal dreams, like in what might happen tomorrow or the future kind of thing. That comes from my autism and the theory of self, uh, which is that Janet, the autistic, does not have a capital S for self. I have a small s. Um, there is no... Janet, who, ha- who has a conversation with myself or a memory of something that has actually much to do with me. It has mostly to do with my, my mind and my vision, what I saw and what I felt. So as I was trained and, and schooled in science as well as art, I began to understand that where this sense of time comes from is actually from from geologic time. It's it's from four fourteen point seven billion years ago, two particles collided, and then my sense of well, what was before that. So that I see as like the mother of God. So all of these different stretches of time all live within me, and I'm very very comfortable with them. I am many times not so comfortable with the interface now, right now, the with physical, the world, right, face-to-face. The physical time you're That's talking autism. about, or the linear time that you're talking about, not comfortable yes. being comfortable. Yes, yes. Does that make sense? It does, because I think to some extent I live there a little bit, too, uh, ah, although, I, although I feel driven by linear time because you know like we do the show we have to show up at a certain time or forget it so that's so we have you know we have to some extent be cognizant of of how that linear time works 
You are, you call yourself both a scientist and an artist, and how do those two merge for you in a very simple way to explain it to our listeners? Because then I want to get into some of these incredible projects that you've been doing. Sure, sure. Um, the, uh, so art and science, we, we're often told, and I'm sure it's correct, that, that the artistic side of us comes from our right brain and the science or analytical part of us comes out of the, the left brain. So I, what, the way that I work is that I use both hemispheres at the same time. So that, for instance, just two days ago, I was um, over in an overlook looking over this river. So I'm up about 1,000 feet off the river looking at this huge, beautiful landscape in front of me with the mountains in the background. And what did, I, what did my mind do? My mind immediately set into measuring my eyes measured for me the 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 depth of field, which is the the planes of line that move back into perspective into the horizon. I started to compare the different colors uh, as they were in light, like for instance, the trees uh, that were near the, uh, the river had reflected light up on the tree so they were much brighter than an edge of trees that were further in on the land all these kinds of 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 exploration i think is really what it is uh in my mind i've started putting it all together and so that there is no i'm not hearing from from janet who thinks, oh, well, you know, maybe I should paint this, or, oh, you know, I don't know if I brought the right colors, or, oh, what time is it? Do I have time to do this? None of these genet sort of ego-minded things, which are, of course, normal, um, they don't come into play when, when my soul sets, sets in front of something as, as gorgeous as art, science, and spirit all in one view. Uh, so, so I have an interesting that's an example thought. of how that works. Right. But I have an interesting thought and a question about that. Do you think that that's our evolution of uh, you know of the human mind, the human being, the human mind to be able to comfortably live in those worlds, you know, the simultaneously and be able to including having, you know, a sense of self, but also that vastness, that connection to the cosmos, to the universe. Oh, I, I, I definitely think so. I, I think some of the projects that, that you're going to point to later in our conversation are directly addressing that capacity that we have already. All of us have that capacity. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I've been watching a few... It's created in a different way. I've been watching a few um, shows on Netflix. One is called something like the 4400, which is about Mm. humans, the evolution of the human mind, the human being that has the, the capacity for so much in terms of consciousness and abilities and and things that that we think oh well just this one person has that we don't have it 
And I'm with you. I believe that 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 that's that's where that's how we're evolving. So let's get into these projects because you are you 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 work endlessly and tirelessly. You have so much to offer. Tell us about um one of the projects you're called it's called the Magnitude Project. What what is that and why is it called Magnitude? But, you know, magnitude is something that, that this project is something that, that I have had um, percolating in, in me uh, since I was, since I took that course in geology as a, as a, a young person. Um, and even before then, because that's why I wanted to take the course in geology. I had so many questions. Um, my, so, so the ideas that, that are the root of the magnitude project uh, they they stem from the sense that we humans are not being given information and visual information as well as data that correctly helps us understand the scale of ourselves uh, in terms of time. It's all about time. It starts with time. So let me give you, for instance, so... I, I think every single book, including one I just picked up the other day, um, a Peterson's Guide, no less, of rocks and minerals. I cut to the, the intro and read something insane about how shortly after the Big Bang, uh, the Earth was formed. Wow, gosh, that is just so unbelievably incorrect. It's Peterson's Guide, 14.7 versus 4.6 billion. They skipped 10 billion years and that's normally done it's in all of the museums it's in the smithsonian in dc there's this massive compression of the magnitude of where we come from and who we really are because that so what is the time so so the project itself so 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 here you are what does it look like i give our audience There's a feel for of your your incredible work. Sure, sure. So, so here we are. Uh, You uh, and your friends are walking into an installation that is a hundred hundred feet wide and about sixty feet uh, long or so. So it's 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 kind of an oval shape, and you're walking in, and there are these fans uh, that they're standing like panels. Excuse me, panels that's standing upright a little bit higher than you are, and it looks like uh, it looks like a fan, but it's extended all the way out, standing up all the way around the circle. And there, and there are 15 of these sets of these fans, and each one comprises of a billion years. Wow. So you can start walking around, you and your friend, let's say you're walking, you, you turn and you look at the first panel, and that's the Big Bang including the big question mark, of course, what was before the Big Bang. Then you keep we walk around all the way around this huge fan, and you get to finally, you get to where the sun was formed, right? This is about 10 billion <laughs> years ago. Then you walk around longer. So basically, what I've indicated on these little fans, okay, so well, there's supernovas, there's elemental accretion, all the elements coming together for billions and billions of years. And we have carbon and oxygen start to do their thing. 
And then we've got more and more universal galactic formation, which means all these these particles are coming together and creating things like meteors and all kinds of things. It keeps going. So is it correct to say that that basically this particular project, it kind of takes us through the evolutionary process of life here of the, yes. the or even yes. in the cosmos okay absolutely what you're describing though it, it's huge this pro, i mean if i'm walking there well, with a friend is, i'm i'm this looking is, we, at the reason it had to be so yeah joanne the reason it had to be so large is because of the scale that that you just wasn't so so picture that there you are you're walking around this whole thing you get to the last two i'm panels, i'm there right now <laughs> Which I'm are describing, <laughs> they're describing, okay, so here we have Earth and, oops, now we have continents that have formed. And then we get to the very edge of the last panel, and the truth of it is, so there you are, it was 100 feet wide, mm. 60 feet long, we're not even on the map. 2.2 million years ago for Homo sapiens, we are invisible, we're not on the map yet. Amazing, so the and yet there's all this yes. life that's burgeoning and, and, there it is. and becoming, right? Yes, so the idea is not to overwhelm people with how teeny tiny we are and insignificantly irrelevant in the vast scope of time. The idea <laughs> is that here we are in this moment that we live, it's this teeny tiny little span of time, let's make the best of it. Let's, let's bring magnitude out of ourselves the fullness of yeah. who we are and, and interact with each other and interface and collaborate and, and focus on that evolution that you're talking about. You've just given us a chance to really think about this, Joanne. <coughs> Tell us more. Don't don't choke on it all because it's it. So <laughs> so keep the visual going here, dear. Listen, so think of this. So so in that you're in that in that in that fan, and there's a six-year-old that says, "Oh gosh, why are we not on the panel?" And they explain to him, and he says, "Well." How big does the, each panel have to be for us to be on the map? I would say a little one. Yeah. Each panel needs to be 248 feet long for us to be on the map. Now, how All long the panels is that? have to be that big. Well, check it out. 238 feet times 15 is an incomprehensible amount of amount. It's a yeah, very, very, very large, large, large installation. And then, then if we're on that map of 238 feet, our existence here is a tiny, skinny little line the size of a piece of hair. That's time. That's what we're really. That's that's how long we've we've and in the size of how long we've been here. Because we come from supernovas, we come from that vastness of evolution, 
and this this is the miracle of of humanity is that we we are here and look at what we have in this fantastic planet and all of our knowledge. And let's not destroy it, right? There we go, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I have a, another question, and thanks for understanding. I had a little choking thing going on there, and you saved us here, so thank you. Do you ever, sure. when, what, do you ever walk people through these beautiful art, art and science projects and and tell them this story? Because I think that... That's so important, not to, you know, the visual and, and the experience is, is profound in and of itself. And yet I, I, I wonder if people need the story to accompany it. The story of how what you were, I what, came. The story, what, you know, just what you were describing, like walking through to be able to experience and maybe when what, to experience the beginning of time, to experience that, you know, the, do do you ever teach that? I would, I would love to teach it. Outside of the art, absolutely, I'd love to teach it. There, there are are. So, really quick aside, um, I love to teach. Uh, I know that I'm an excellent teacher. The problem with me teaching in an organized uh, situation is that I have terrible time interfacing with my peers. Um, that is, is not proved to be all that successful yet. Okay, uh, that's my not vision. Nothing that they've done is me, but back to the teaching thing. Right, but here's the vision, there, because we have this, yep. this museum, this Janet English museum with all of the cosmos and the art or whatever, and, and you walk us through it as the guide. Yes. Yes. That's what I love, yeah. because I think, yes. yeah, I think yeah. once people walk through that experience and see it, they, they must feel differently. They must see themselves and the, and the world and the cosmos in a new way, and I think that's what you, you strive for. Yes, 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 I do, because, Joanne, there are actually five parts to magnitude, and the, the other four parts sit in the middle of, of the large uh, fan, um, and each part of magnitude, what I want people to do is to identify into magnitude, not see magnitude as a great big science project for brainiacs. Because it's not. It's not for that. So to feel they a can, part of I'm, it. Yes, for everyone, including the six-year-old or this, the, the so eight-year-old. Oh, wow, we're, this is us. This is, we're, we're in this. Yes. We're a part of it. Abs- everyone. And, and, and that everyone can understand these really big ideas because all, they need to, all that needs to happen, really, is that they are explained Visually, so the, and at the proper scale, our bodies is the only way we can measure anything. So, for instance, there, so there's, a, there's a, something called the Cosmic Euroboros, and that's one of the four other installations in there. And so basically picture this. You're going to step into this large tube. So it's basically like a circle around you, but it's a tube, and you're going to stand right in the center of it. And on one side you're going to see a notation that says the size of an ant. 
And then on the other side, you're going to see the negative correlation for it. So let me give you a for instance. So we have, well, so hold on a second. So each part, each of these four other parts, what they're really about is something that I think people are just so, they're so science afraid and they're so confused by how science can be with God because maybe they want to be with God, not with science. And so there's this schism between art and science and spirit. Like they all have to exist separately and they don't um, because basically um, Joanne, they're all the same. They're in the same body, which is us. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but I fully believe that, that we, it, it can be made fun and that there can be a sense of wonder about something that we thought, I just am never going to understand that. Now, let me give you a for instance. I'm, I'm going to skip Well, I have more questions. I'm going to go to. Okay, let's do sure. that. Sure. Because I, I, I understand the, the connection between art and science and spirit, and, and I also, I agree with you. I think there, there's a very profound connection. Now, this installation, I mean, is it now, a, is there a place where it exists where we can actually go see it and experience it, or not yet? Well, uh, what, there, what I have, is I have the so the answer is no, not quite yet. What I have okay. is I have I've built a diorama that has each of the different parts of the of the installation, and it measures about thirty six inches by thirty six inches. So it gives a very very good sense of of what it would look like uh, in in um, you know in in real life. Um, what what it will take it will take a sponsor. Uh, who will get behind, I think, first creating uh, a, a permanent installation that can be somewhere where people can come travel and come and see it. I, I would prefer it be outdoors. Um, and I have the ideas about the materials and things to, to create that as such. And then so my this dream is, a, is that there would be... Go ahead. Go ahead. My, my dream is that there would be a traveling installation as well. So we, we would go from city to city or from country to country and, and pop this sucker down on the ground and then here, here come a whole manner of folks in Singapore who can see this. And uh, so then you know, what happens I, I, over time, everyone will be connected. They will have seen this. They will all be these magnitude proficient they'll feel the, uh, people. They'll feel the connection. They'll, they'll, they'll yes. connect and they'll, yes. they'll feel the connection yes. to – to the cosmos and to themselves and to one another, which is great. I want this happening now. I do. <laughs> and it's very exciting. So uh, more to come. You are working. You have a connection or something that you're doing with Easter Seals, and Easter Seals has been really wonderful in terms of of, of putting forth a lot to support people with, with disabilities and special needs. Can you tell us, are you allowed, Ken, can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with your SEALs and, and what yes. that's about, Jen? Yes. 
yes, yes, I absolutely can. And I, I've asked permission, and then the answer is yes. Um, yes. Easter Seals, the, the national headquarters is, is in California, Northern California. And they have a wizard uh, that they've taken on who is uh, basically completely rebuilding the brand of Easter Seals. So, of course, that means what does Easter Seals look like to the public? So what he's done is he's, he's taken um, the 20th, 20th century Easter Seals. It's focused on service organization and, and nonprofit, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he's transformed it into um, something that is, is going to be accessible to everyone by, of course, the iCloud and all manner of other things that he wants to do, namely putting not just my work, but beautiful photographs, like life-size, no, excuse me, not life-size. Um, there's a photograph of Temple Grandin I'm, I would, I'm so hoping that they will use. And this, this photograph, I'm looking at the proofs right now, it must measure 14 feet high by about 20 or so, 22 feet long. So they're bigger than the average wall, these images. So where, the where, is this, where are they going to utilize your work and, and some of the other it's in the, art? In the installations themselves, the beautiful buildings that they're, they're, they're asking, they've got the money to have all of the headquarters in the different states uh, to be revamped, and they are going to change the look entirely of the interior of these buildings, and then, of course, the website and all of the, the um, uh, product that's going to go out uh, for Easter Sills. So they're using my, my work from a project that I developed 30 years ago. There's oh that goodness. time thing, Joanne, because the I work, work <laughs> I did on, started on this, on this project 30 years ago, all of the work is timeless. It has no, nothing to do with the fact that it was painted in whatever year it was. Uh, it's describing exactly what I described with the Magnitude Project. It's the story of a supernova. And so the images themselves are about the birth process of a supernova and what happened uh, with the particles and things that came across actually two galaxies to get to us, what happened with these particles and where we are now uh, with this, uh, what is probably the most important stellar event of the last hundred years. And it has been completely ignored Joanne, because scientists can't really figure out why it happened. It doesn't fit into the window of understanding that they have about how supernovas are created. Yes, not yet. Um, So that's why this supernova, this particular one, is is such a sense of wonder because I have this this process came to me uh, because my brain is like a satellite. And I received all of the images and information about this supernova 13 months before the light from the event actually reached Earth. Amazing. I don't know how that happened I mean, because it's not genet. It's it, not a genet thing. It's, again, that Again, that it doesn't thing. matter how it yeah, happened. All time. You give, exactly. You were gifted exactly. this information <laughs> and bravo. And kudos for what you're doing with um, Easter Seals because I think that's beautiful. And it's it's a way of showcasing your work and your incredible vision. We are running out of time, and I wish we had hours and hours because I find you so fascinating. What would you tell 
parents and people who are working with people with with individuals with autism what, do you have any advice for them that that you can share sure sure um i you know i i i think that the the most important thing that i use the tool that i use to continue to grow uh, because I am not, I, I, I'm not a particularly uh, well adjusted yet in the world. My high functioning autism does not mean I function really well in the world as an autistic person. It means it points to my productivity. And I don't, um, I don't so, think I'm adjusted in the world either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm sure so you're, way, you're way ahead of me, honey. Way ahead. So my my uh, because of the way that that I was raised, um, I was given a particular uh, sense of of wonder uh, because my studies were encouraged. So that was the gift of the way that I was raised. The the misunderstanding that my parents and family had about my autism, of course, created another old sense of of. Um, a challenge for me in terms of um, feeling jinxed and excluded and my relationships were not that much fun at all. So now I think that, that the idea of for, for parents might be something about, so we have an autistic child, how can we build a bridge for them uh, that would be a way for them to positively explore uh, the world uh, and not just, not just, them, not just ourselves as autistics we have we only have a narrative with ourselves and and it's so difficult to open that narrative up uh, and offer it to the world so I I love the word wonder um, instead of saying to myself oh I wonder um, how Badly, that's going to go. This this relationship that I have to develop here. That you know, I don't really understand this person. I don't understand why they do what they do. I don't, definitely don't understand why they what they say. Uh, instead of wondering for myself, how 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 poorly are you going to are you going to do this, or how are you going to get out of it without it being complete failure? I've turned my 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 mind to wonder as a motivator for. An experiment is another experiment. How, instead of worrying about the outcome, I just think about what are the different ways that I can deal with my sense of fear and failure and all those other things. How can I turn that into a field of light where it's, it just doesn't matter how poorly the world sees me doing something? And... That's how I work with it. So I, I think encouraging young people who are autistic to not build a magnificent wall around themselves of where each brick is, is something fabulous that they've created. And here's this wall that then becomes actually an obstacle to the world. Uh, mine, mine has been. Uh, you know, my I, massive productivity is a wall. It, but it's so what for, you're for saying now to not, not do that would be boot. Right, but what you're saying is is uh, is also important for all of us because whether or not we're comfortable with a relationship or with a particular person or feel 
comfortable interacting, whatever it is, oftentimes we're questioning our worth. I think that's part of human nature or mm-hmm. conditioning or whatever. And so being able to look at it in the creative process way that you're doing it more as an exploration rather than a judgment or, a, you know, a pass-fail, whatever, I think that that's important for all of us to grasp because then it takes away from, oh, I'm less than or I'm not worthy or I can't sure. do this or whatever. It's about, sure. wow, what if or how can I or let's see, or you know, all different ways of looking at it so we're not, demeaning ourselves or finding something wrong with who we are. I, I love that. And I, I think that's, that's exactly what I'm trying to say is, is that when I first spoke with you, I, I brought up some of these ideas and, and we talked and talked and, and all of a sudden I realized that what you were saying to me was, of course this is going to turn out perfectly. Of course it will. Why did you say that? Because you well, because you're positive, you're a positive being filled with light. You have you have that in you. You're a light being. But also, what you were saying to me is, Janet, why don't you wonder how you'll do with this rather than how complicated it is, how difficult it's going to be, and how how big a chance there is that I'm actually going to fail. Uh, so. Literally, I mean, it, so you said that to me a year ago, and I thought back at the time, I wonder what would have happened if my parents had said to me, I wonder how you'll do with, you know, going to the dance, rather than you're going, it'll be good for you, <laughs> which is a normal <laughs> thing to say. If they had said, I wonder how you'll do with a big smile on their face and a question mark, that would have created an open system for me of wondering how I was going to do rather than, oh my gosh, here comes the closed system that I, I had, my closed system as an autistic child and young person of fear, failure, so blame, said, shame, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and you said something very profound right now, and that's that open system, which mm-hmm. to me, and from everything you're talking about, the cosmos, the universe, that open system that we can live in and see ourselves in, Janet, has no barriers, has no Correct. limitations. And so the, there's such an opportunity when you see yourself, when we see ourselves that way, for being able to move beyond anything that we've ever experienced before. And I'm getting chills from just seeing us and and taking your information in that light for and again not just for people with autism but for all of us yep. to to grow. Yeah. So here's a nice visual for you and for everybody uh to to take with you. So imagine what what you'd feel like if you were standing in front of one of these installations in, in the magnitude project which is a glass globe and it the diameter of the globe is is at least seven feet wide so it's a little bit bigger than us imagine there's a beautiful shiny red rod tiny little thin rod i mean just the size of a chopstick coming from the center of the globe it's suspended there out to the edge where you're standing 
Now that, that little tiny stick in the size of that globe represents all physical matter, all visible atoms in the entire universe and any other universe you want to put in there. All wow. the rest of the space in the globe, all the rest of it, is what we refer to as antimatter. I love so, it. So think of yourself. We are at so you're the little stick, and the rest of it is inside you. It's all, yeah, wonder so, and God. So we're all connected. <laughs> yes, exactly, it. exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> I you i love what you're doing and we have to have you on again because this is very enlightening and i think it again you know i think it, it it's it's information that we can all utilize so thank you for all that you do and for your beautiful connection of art science and spirit and for the beautiful you that you are janet Thank you, Joanne, and thank you for being such an innovator and inspiring connection for me. I really embrace it fully, and thank you. My pleasure. Have a beautiful day. You too. Thank you. Thanks. So we're shifting gears here. And by the way, check out Janet Inglis because she is profound. Her work is beautiful. And like I said, when I first met her, I fell in love with with this incredible being who is gifted and who has the light within her, which which to me is, is very special. We're shifting gears, and next week I have another wonderful guest, and that is Dr. Kimberly McGeorge, January 31st, and she's going to talk about the secret to everything. Can't wait for that. If you've missed anything about... This show today and Janet Inglis, The Art, Science, and Spirit of Autism. You can go to my website, docwhite.org, drjoannwhite.com, or you can go to Blog Talk Radio. And remember that you are an incredible, magnificent being, and you have the ability to power your life. Do so today. Take a few steps forward into the beauty and magnificence that is you. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.